The following audio is from the Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. Everybody, I'm glad you're here today. It is Memorial Day weekend, so I'm sure that you are heading out to go boating later today or um, do something else fun in this 80 degree weather. Um, Congratulations on that. Um, Mostly I'm talking to people online that are in like, I don't know, Chelan or Arizona or somewhere else, but Anyways, here we are, uh, driving in this morning, just drizzling like crazy, walking in from where we park. Um, it was wonderful, so excited to be part of the Pacific Northwest um, on that note. Uh, we're in a series, we're actually ending the series today called I Promise. We've been talking about in the New Testament, God's promises. Now, to be clear, um, as you look at the New Testament, a lot of uh, theologians would say that there are literally hundreds of promises in the New Testament, and that's true. So we've taken some key ones and kind of walked through those the last bunch of weeks. We've talked about, and this was on Easter Sunday, uh, we talked about new life. God promises us new life in Christ. We talked about how uh, the Bible reminds us over and over of the second coming, that Jesus is coming back for his church, and it's something we need to keep in mind. My wife, a few weeks ago, did a great job on Mother's Day talking about the principle of sowing and reaping and the promises that if we're diligent and continue to sow, we will reap at some point, but to be continued through that process with perseverance. And then last week, I thought Aaron did a great job talking about God's peace. We are promised God's peace, even if things in our life are full of turmoil, even if we face challenging stuff, which we will, nevertheless, we can have God's peace. And so if you missed any of those messages, I want to encourage you to go back and maybe listen to those um, find something you can hold on to because uh, those are great promises. Today, um, again, we love those promises. Today, I want to bring up the last one. And I'm going to be honest with you, this one is not quite as fun. So glad you came today. Super excited that you're here. Uh, we're going to dive into 2 Timothy chapter 3. And if you got your Bible with you, you can turn there. If you got a smartphone with a Bible app, that's great too. I encourage note-taking uh, just as you remember, maybe review some of your notes sometime later this week. 2 Timothy 3. Uh, Verses 10 through 14 says this, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me in Antioch at Iconium and Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from all of them, the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Let's pray. Jesus, today as we walk through some scripture here, what Paul was writing to Timothy, I pray wouldn't just matter way back when, but would matter to us today. Help us to wrap our minds around this and why, when we can understand this basic principle, this promise, it actually impacts how we carry ourselves throughout the rest of our lives. So we invite your spirit to help us understand in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me, let me jump in here and, and remind you, as you look at 2 Timothy 3, this is Paul's letter to Timothy, obviously his second letter, hence we have 2 Timothy, but his second letter, and he's writing as his ministry is winding down. Paul is getting older, Paul sees the persecution he's experienced ramping up, and he realizes the end of his life is, is imminent. And so he's writing a few different letters, and when you read 2 Timothy, let me go back for a little bit here, and in chapter 3, he starts out with talking about, but in 
in the last days, there will be terrible times. He's not prophesying about when last days will be. He's simply saying, as things ramp up towards whatever end is coming to the world, things will get worse. He says, in the last days, there will be terrible times. And then he goes on to say, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Uh, I think I mentioned lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And he goes on to list all of this stuff and we read that and we go, wow, yeah, I can kind of see that in our world. But let me tell you this. I actually don't believe entirely that Paul is talking about the world as much as he's warning the church. Because a little bit later in that text, what he says is that they're, uh, they have a form of godliness, but they deny its power, have nothing to do with them. Paul talks that way specifically when he's talking about people who say they're believers, but live otherwise. He said it in, in uh, his letter in 1 Corinthians 5 when there's sin in the church and, and he says there should be an embarrassment of it, but you guys accept it and embrace it and think it's okay. You need to stay away from that. It's not good. But he also says, um, when he talks about removing ourselves from that kind of fellowship, he says, I'm not talking about the world because in that case, you would have to leave the world. Instead, I'm talking about those who say they believe in Jesus, but then participate in this type of activity. And in the same way here, it's a warning. But I wanna challenge all of us to consider when you look at what Paul writes, that, that, that challenge should create tension in all of us. Am I boastful? Am I proud? Is there any abuse in me? Do I mistreat others? Am I full of pride? Is, is there stuff in me that doesn't line up with what I say I believe or even what we prayed earlier and sang earlier about just give me Jesus? Is that true or does it just sound good coming off of my lips? In the same way for me standing up here, do I say the right things and put my notes together and make it sound great and compelling and yet go out and live a whole nother way? The challenge and the tension is for you and I to consider. So when Paul opens up in this portion of what he's writing to Timothy, it should be a reminder for you and I in the last days, people will embrace all kinds of things that are not holy. People will do all kinds of things that aren't good. And he's not just talking about those outside of church world. And then he turns it and he says, you, however. And so when Paul is writing this, keep in mind, he's writing to Timothy. Timothy is somebody that Paul has trained up in the faith. Timothy is this next generation of church leader after Paul eventually here is going to end up martyred for his faith. And so he says to Timothy, you, however, I want you to notice, he says, you have followed my teaching. And I'll stop there. There's something about when you look at the life of Timothy that, yes, he traveled with Paul. He was part of, of you know, missionary journeys and, and, and these travels, but Paul was, or, or Timothy was constantly learning from Paul. He was taking in uh, who Paul was and what Paul had to say. So he says, you've taken in my teachings, and I want to put this right back on us. We should be doing the same thing. I will never get up here and not challenge us regularly to be people who read scripture, to be people who take it in, read it, study it, pray over it, consider how our lives line up or don't don't line up with scripture because there's something about this measuring line of life we're called to live that there's clarity when we study it. There's clarity when we read it. There's clarity as we continue to be diligent about knowing the scripture. So Timothy was taking in what Paul had to say and you and I need to consider the same appetite for truth in our own lives. He says, you, however, have followed my teaching. And then he goes on to say, you followed my conduct, my aim in life, my faith. 
I love that he says this because it's this idea of when, when uh, Timothy understands what Paul is saying that we believe as followers of Christ, it actually determines how he behaves. And that's not new to, to anybody in the room. What we believe will determine how we behave. The things that we learn about, the truth that we take in, changes how we ought to live our lives. It's not just some spiritual thing we do on a Sunday, even as I've already mentioned many times in this gathering, how does truth change what we operate like on a Monday or a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and even Sunday afternoon? So it's a reminder that, that what we believe determines how we behave. And Paul says, you know about my aim in life. Do you know what Paul's aim in life was? Paul says, I, I, I wanted nothing more when I was around you but to make Christ known. I've mentioned before Philippians 1, 20 and 21, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so now as always Christ will be exalted in my body whether by death or by life for to me to live is Christ, there it is, and to die is gain. Paul says my aim in life is that Christ would be known. My aim in life is that people would see Jesus through how I live my conduct, my faith. He continues his list. You've known all about my patience, my love, my steadfastness. Again, Paul is training up Timothy. Paul is reminding Timothy how he ought to carry himself. And part of that list is, Timothy, you've seen my patience. You've seen the kind of love that I have and the faith that I walk in. And it's a reminder once again to you and to me about how we carry ourselves. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about how in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, Paul talks about that the church, every person in the church body has been given gifts. They've been given certain gifts to be part of the body of Christ. And there's gifts of encouragement and stewardship of leadership and generosity, all these different things. But every single one of us has been given gifts to, to participate and build up the body of Christ. But in the middle of 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 is 1 Corinthians 13. And I mentioned this not too long ago. In 13, he says, and now I will show you the most excellent way. And he says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels but don't have love, I am nothing. If I prophesy and all this stuff but, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but, but don't have love, it's for nothing. All of these things about what we believe, all these things about how we behave, don't matter a hill of beans if we don't have love. Ah, it's quiet in here. I'm about to step on some toes, so you might want to curl up your feet in your shoes. But I say this because I believe it's unbelievably important to wrap our heads around this. For you and I, as Paul says to Timothy, how you carry yourself in a world that doesn't agree with what you might believe or how you behave, what you do and how that plays out is a big deal. And I say it because I wanna take you now to Romans chapter 12. Just for a moment here, Paul says to the church at Rome, again, it's another letter that he wrote to another in another context. He says this, bless those who persecute you. How's that going? 
bless and do not curse. How are your toes feeling? Good? Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty or prideful, boastful, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Let me keep going. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Leave room for God's wrath, for it's written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord, to the contrary. You listening? If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing so, you'll heap burning coals on their head. In other words, they'll feel the sting of their vitriol because you operated in grace and wisdom. That's a quote, by the way, out of Proverbs 25, specifically verse 21. And Paul doesn't include this part, but here's what Proverbs 25, 21 says. Um, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For doing so, by doing so, you will heap burning coals on their head and the Lord will reward you. Do not, become, do not be, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. How's the toes? It's going to get worse. I'm going to be on your legs in a minute. Your whole torso eventually. It's going to get good. He says, you've known all about my patience, my love, my steadfastness. He says, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from all of them the Lord rescued me. Twice here, Paul says, you know all about how I've been persecuted for my faith. He says, he says uh, that it happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. If you're taking notes, write down Acts 13 and 14. That's the detailed story of those three cities and what happened to Paul in that context. So Acts uh, 13 and 14 is what he's talking about. But he's saying he's been persecuted for his faith and yet he endured. What he's not saying is he was rescued out of them as in he didn't face torture and pain and persecution. He's saying I went through them, but when he says I endured, it means I got through. Not only did I physically survive, but my faith is intact. Now, why do I bring that up? Because oftentimes when we talk about persecution in the Western world and in America, persecution feels like they unfriended me. Now, no offense, but that's kind of, they unfriended me, they ignored me, they got upset with me because they learned that I believe this or that about my faith or whatever, and, and we feel the sting of it. Or they maybe say, oh, you're one of those weirdos, or you're one of those crazies, or you got religion, and whatever it is, and the relationship doesn't feel the same anymore, and your feelings get hurt. Now, let me ask you, how many have ever experienced that kind of persecution? Yeah, more than that, but it's Okay. I mean, let me ask you this. How many of you have received whips on your back to the point you were bleeding for your faith in Jesus? How many 
many of you have um, expressed your faith in Jesus and they dragged you to their backyard and they began to throw rocks at you till you passed out? How many of you were dragged out of a city and banned from being there because of your faith in Jesus and you were bleeding along the way? See, Paul talks about persecution and we're not even familiar with what he's talking about. And I don't say that to make light of our persecution, but you guys, what kind of faith do we have when our feelings are hurt because somebody writes us off? Now, I'm, I'm getting somewhere and it's still gonna get worse, so bear with me. Indeed, verse 12, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Who's Paul talking about? Why are you so quiet, man? You're like, I was up late last night. And, okay. Who is Paul talking about? Okay, do, let, let's do this exercise. We're gonna do this. Everybody go like this. Okay, keep your hands up. Who's Paul talking about? Bingo! <laughs> you nailed it! Great job, you guys. So proud of you. Paul is saying that if you say, I am in Christ Jesus, then you will be persecuted. And it can take the form of your family kind of writes you off, your friend thinks you're nuts, the relationship with your, your BFF isn't the same as it used to be, or you get unfriended on social media or whatever. But the fact is, you will experience persecution. Some of us, as time goes on, may experience more severe persecution than that. Because, yes, Paul experienced all kinds of persecution that included bodily harm to the point they thought he was dead. And there are more Christians today being martyred for their faith than there ever has been in the history of the world happening now. You could say, well, there's more people on the planet too. Fine. But the fact is, we aren't familiar with the kind of persecution that happens all over our world. People literally being beheaded in rows along beaches in certain countries because they say they're followers of Jesus, because they show up in a church setting and the government shows up and, and, and does some damage. These things happen and are happening as we speak. Why do I bring all that up? One, don't, don't get all out of, bent out of shape because your feelings get hurt because somebody's like, I don't like you because you're a religious weirdo. When that's pretty minor compared to what could happen. Now, let's, let's continue to, to step on some torsos. Um, we will be persecuted, but, but let me talk about what it means. One, it means this. If you share your faith with others, I believe in Jesus, and I believe he paid the price for our sin, and I believe he is the only way to heaven, the only way to bridge the gap between the separation sin causes. Jesus is that way. People are going to be, not everybody all the time, but people are going to be offended by that. It is what it is. We can't be ashamed of that message. We can't be ashamed to express our faith at certain points in the relationship with people that we get to. So that's gonna happen. Another side of it is this, persecuted for how our faith shapes our lives. You and I will be persecuted for how our faith shapes our lives. Now, I'm gonna get very personal, and this is where I'm gonna step on torsos and eventually heads. Okay, bear with me here. Here's how my faith has shaped my life, and this is an exhaustive list because we will be here a really long time. Let me just give you a few. I don't attend drunken parties and get drunk. You're like, okay, big deal. I don't flirt with women or entertain affairs either in the physical or even mentally. 
I don't go along with gossiping or lying or slandering or making fun of other people to their demise. I refuse to excuse hot tempers and angry outbursts or abuse others with passive aggressive attitudes. And I will always fight against that. So far we're good. Okay, here we go. You ready? This is the deep end. I believe in the sanctity of life and the rights of the unborn. I believe it's not our right to determine our gender. I believe young children should not be exposed to sexually explicit material or exotic sexual agendas in elementary school and especially in early elementary school. Now, stop. Before some of you want to clap and we want to yell amen, I believe those things in my core. That being said, those things I believe wholeheartedly, how I carry myself with what I believe matters greatly. Bear with me here. And some of you will leave the church maybe because of this. What I see in our world that concerns me deeply and why I bring it up at the Grove Church as a pastor is this. Because some of us are being persecuted for our attitudes and agendas that aren't specifically related to our faith in Christ. What I mean is this. I can say, and I say it humbly, I believe wholeheartedly in the sanctity of life and the rights of unborn children. But how I express that even on a Sunday matters because you know what I know? Statistically, there are multiple women in this room that have had abortions. And what I don't want you to hear is the vitriol from me and some level of pride that shuts you down and wounds you deeper. Because maybe possibly you chose to have an abortion and you're carrying that wound into this place every Sunday. And you know what I want you to know? God cares about you. That God wants to bring healing to you. And I don't know if, if it feels shameful or, or, or what your experience was or what you've tried to hide, but I want you to know that God's grace is enough. And what I'm saying is how we carry ourselves with what we believe matters. There are individuals, even in this room statistically, that you struggle with whether you are a man or a woman. And you've processed some of these thoughts and young people in particular are walking through this battle currently. And I don't want you to feel shamed because I simply say, yes, I believe God created us male and female. That being said, whatever struggle you're going through, I want you to know you have a team of people that's here to love you and walk you through this journey together. See, the problem in our world is this. We carry ourselves with such vitriol with it and such arrogance with it that what happens is we're writing people off. We should be able to have a discourse in a way that while we disagree, we can have respect for the person. And if you wanna clap about anything, maybe you could clap about that. The reason I say it and the reason I'm, listen, the reason I'm passionate about it is this. Here's what happens, I'll just try to paint a simple picture for you. In our world in general, and I know you're going political, I'm not going political, just bear with me. In our world in general, to oversimplify the conversation, there's people that are on the left and there's people that are on the right. And the people on the left that might say that they love Jesus and are following him are, are wanting to reach the people over here, right? They don't agree and they like, I want to reach them. And the people over here on the right have their beliefs so they don't agree with the people over here, but they're writing off and expressing vitriol to the people over here and yet these are the people they want to reach. If all we do is express our arrogance, if all we do is express our pride, if all we do is write people off and unfriend and get angry and put out mean texts and passive aggressive tweets and all this stuff, 
We're not helping build bridges towards anybody. All we're doing is circling the wagons with the people that already agree with us and we're not reaching people. And the gospel of Christ is held in disrepute because that's the way we carry ourselves. And it doesn't have to be this way. How's your torso? I realize this may be uncomfortable for some, but I want us to consider while we may have certain things we believe and we don't all agree by the way, and I get that and I'm okay with that, but I want you to know I care desperately about who Jesus is in your life. I care desperately that there's a savior that loves every single one of us. And if we're not doing our job to build those bridges, what we tend to do is burn them. Do you see the problem we face? Do you see the dilemma that we're in? And we look at this world and go, it's going crazy. But I wanna challenge you with this because he says it later on in this chapter, or actually I think in chapter four, second twenty-four, keep your head in all situations. We're maybe not doing so good at that. So when I say not persecuted for attitudes or other agendas, it happens in two ways. Standing for things in a way that's causing unnecessary persecution. We're angry. We're lashing out. We're writing off others who disagree with maybe four-letter words or crass jokes or mockery. None of those things are good. Another example would be this. We're standing more for issues that overshadow our commitment to Christ. If you're in this room and more people around you that aren't a part of church world know where you stand with masks or no masks, Trump or no Trump, vaccine or no vaccine, Biden or no Biden, Inslee or no Inslee, if they know more where you stand on those things than you shining the light of Christ, then you let that overshadow your ability to shine the light of Jesus. I'm just gonna say it. And we can't live that way. It doesn't mean that we don't have beliefs and it doesn't mean we don't stand. You want to be involved in politics and the political process? By all means, do it, but be very careful how you carry yourself. Like I said, it's not that we don't have these opinions or don't take a stand, but how we do it matters. Anybody ever heard of the PTA? Here's your hand, you heard of the PTA. Yeah, what is it? Okay, I'm going to give you another acronym, PTA. Just so you'd remember it, I'm trying to help you. PTA. Posture, tone, and approach. It's not that you don't have beliefs, but I want you to consider when it comes to persecution, your posture, your tone, and your approach. It's something I heard a little while ago from a pastor named Andy Stanley, and I appreciate it deeply, this conversation, because again, you and I have a world that we go, man, we want people to understand who Jesus is. But if all we do is carry ourselves in ways that are passive aggressive or angry or whatever, then we're not building those bridges. Let me, let me take it a little bit further. Again, it's more about peripheral stuff and not Christ. My neighbor hates me because I cussed him out and threw his dog's poop back in his yard because it ain't my dog. <laughs> now, I didn't do that. And my neighbors love me and I love them and we're good. But those are examples of like, you're more known for this weird attitude you get about this or that. I post a meme on social media mocking somebody that I disagree with politically. Didn't do it. But maybe you're like, oh, I got to delete my social media. Right now you're like, oh, delete, delete. <laughs> or maybe, and again, some of this goes back the last couple of years. But, but maybe it's, 
I yelled at a store employee because I'm asked to wear a mask inside and I don't want to. I didn't do that, but I've heard stories. Is that building bridges towards people that need Christ? Or is it shutting them down and embarrassing any bit of light that's supposed to shine from you? You're like, I should have skipped Memorial Day. I know. Uh, Just a little bit of personal here, but in Acts chapter four, Peter and John, there's a miracle that happens and and they're they're hauled into the courts of the Sanhedrin and they're, they're persecuted and flogged and all that stuff. And when they leave, it says they were actually excited about being persecuted. And I gotta be honest, that's kind of my attitude. And maybe it's a little bit flippant about it, but like, I don't care if I get arrested. And my wife's like, yeah, but what are we, I don't know, go to jail. Anyway, um, but, but I, it doesn't concern me like that. I, I kind of welcome it, I guess. But I wanna be sure it's about Christ and not about those peripheral things. Because when Paul says it, notice that he qualifies the persecution. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And, and here's the news that, that, that gets even worse. All, things are only going to get worse and worse as time goes on. Paul goes on to say in verse 13, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Things will continually get worse, but I want us to consider the PTA, posture, tone, and approach. I have the things I believe. I'm passionate about who Jesus is and that he's the way to heaven and he paid the price and that's my thing and that's always gonna be my thing. But how I carry myself within that message, how I carry myself about the nuance of how that shapes what I believe and how I behave matters and how I carry myself with the world around me because my goal and my passion is to build bridges towards other people and not burn them. And then he goes on to say this and I'm, I'm almost done here. But as for you, so Paul circles back with Timothy in this conversation about how he carries himself. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Paul takes Timothy back to, you remember how I carry myself. You remember the humility. You remember my attitude. Let let me take you here uh, just as, as a last reference to scripture. 1 Corinthians 9, 19. Paul says, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. Another translation of that word servant is literally a slave to all. I'm gonna skip a bunch here because he's talking about context when he talks about the Jews and those in the law and outside the law. But then he says this, I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some of them. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in its blessings. We have a world that we want to see Jesus and acknowledge and surrender to Jesus. That's the mission of the church, the mission. And I wanna make sure that we consider how we carry ourselves, whatever context we're in. Because as I've already said, are we building bridges or are we burning bridges? Are we opening conversation and dialogue with a level of respect or are we shutting that down? Are we being persecuted for our faith in Christ and how it shapes how we behave? Or are we inviting persecution because there's not the kind of maturity we need to have as we stand for what we believe? Let's consider our posture and tone and approach. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not 
curse. Jesus, today I pray you would help us understand. Help us wrap our heads around. I know that there's people that their, their whole body was stepped on today and they feel all they feel, but I pray you would help us navigate this, God, in a way that extends grace, in a way that opens dialogue, in a way that, yeah, we can challenge one another and we can disagree about certain things, but we don't have to live disagreeable. And I pray you would help us wrap ourselves around that because it matters to a great degree in this world, God, that we don't write people off. That what does it look like to carry ourselves with patience, with love, with grace and with faith. God, thank you for what you would do in us, Lord, that would change the way we shine for you in your name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.